Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Edge of Comfort podcast, where people from all over the world share their unique travel adventures, experiences, perspectives, pieces of advice, and ways of living life to the fullest. I am your host, Lee Thornquist, and thank you for listening today. On today's episode, I talk with my good friend, Sahan Weliwita. Sahan and I went to the same university in Indiana, but we actually did not meet until we were on the same exchange program, which was during the spring of 2015 at the National University of Singapore, or you'll hear us refer to it as NUS. So we met at NUS, developed a strong friendship, and have kept in touch ever since. And we actually both happen to be back in Singapore at the same time, which is where this interview takes place. So, a little background on Sahan. He is of Sri Lankan descent, but has a pretty unique story because he has moved all over the world throughout his life. He was born in Lincoln, Nebraska, moved around a bit in the U.S., then went over to Japan, and then spent 10 years in Kenya from ages 9 to 18 before he headed back to the U.S. for university. He now lives in the great city of New York, where he is a consultant. So in this episode, we do discuss a bit about his unique background and how it's shaped his life a bit different from other people. Um, We also talk about topics such as why following your passions or trying to find them might not always be the best advice, exchange programs and making friends from around the world, and some of the different types of travel you can do, as well as the differences between just living in a place and visiting a place, and also things like traveling how you want to instead of traveling how to make it sound good to people back home, and so much more. So thank you so much to Sahan for sharing a bit of his story with us, and thank you again for listening. As always, head to edgeofcomfort.com and sign up for the email list to receive new episodes and content first. Please shoot me an email with any comments, suggestions, questions, or just a friendly hello to lee.t at edgeofcomfort.com. And finally, you can follow my journey through pictures. Just head to Instagram and follow me at edgeofcomfort. So thank you again for listening, and enjoy! Welcome to the Edge of Comfort Podcast with your host, Lee Thornquist. So, welcome, Sahan. We are, we are here in Singapore, back after three years. Yeah, it's uh, surreal, I would say. Does it feel weird for you? I know we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but... Yeah, it's definitely uh, like 
a way for me to close the chapter of exchange. Um, in very nostalgic. Um, nothing has changed. Uh, I was really surprised at how you know, everything's the same. The food, you know, maybe a little bit of renovation here and there, but things just look the same. And just different kids, and life just goes on, I guess. Yeah. Were you expecting it to be more different then? Or like... I, I, I think I was expecting some change, but some of the things are exactly the same. Not only in the U.S. but in Singapore as a whole. Like we were talking yesterday about the, the whole power villa, the, the <laughs> tone of the MIT. That's like exactly the same stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, things just, I guess I was I wasn't expecting things to be like exactly the same. Yeah, that's true. So that kind of leads me to my first question, I guess. Wow. So like when you go back, I guess. Well, have you ever gone to travel to a place? and then returned so soon, like other than like school and like home and stuff, like a destination, like, like Singapore, you know, spent four months here and you're already back within three years. Like, have you done something like that before? I guess apart from university, probably not. Okay. Uh, most of the places I've been to, I mean, unless you can't go back to Kenya, um, but I probably haven't. And it is interesting. I don't think I've gone back so soon. I think most of the places I've been, I spent a long period of time, I haven't been back, and I'm still trying to get back. So, usually when I go back, there's a big change. For example, like, you know, my parents are Sri Lankans, I haven't been to Sri Lanka in about four or five years, and when I go back, it's going to be a significant change. It's also a developing country, so there's going to be much more change in a place like Singapore, where you know, things are already more static, so I don't, I don't have it. So, with... When you go back to a place, I guess since this is kind of the first time for both of us doing this, like returning someplace or so soon, how do you like keep, especially Singapore, it's super small, like in the four months we were here, we were able to see everything we've wanted to see pretty much. So like how do you come back and like keep it exciting and fresh and if you're trying to make it a new experience, you know, it's three years later, you know, so how do you kind of make that trip? its own thing. I'd say, I mean, for me, the big thing is, it's the people, it's the friends. Uh, and it's interesting to see, I have, a, I have one of my friends, Christian, who decided to stay here in Singapore uh, for, for uh, after his exchange. So interesting to see, like, how he has come all this time and what he has, what he has done while we were away. Uh, and that's interesting uh, to see, like, his progress and his change. And, like, Seeing, going back and revisiting the places that I went to is probably what I do. I almost don't want to do new things. I want to do the same things. I wanted to come to NUS and eat at the same canteens, the same hawker centers. <laughs> I wanted to go to 7-Eleven near Clarkey and look at the beer that I used to drink while I was on exchange. I'm also a very, very nostalgic person, so that might be uh, unique to me, but that's what I almost want to do. I just don't have to look at new things to make my trip exciting. I just want to do the exact same things I did when I was here and sort of relive the experience. Do you think that's because of like because of the fact we had the exchange program here? So like it's kind of like just revisiting that a bit or it's just kind of like when you go back to other places, like when you went back to Indiana um, and for a little five, yeah. did you kind of? Is that kind of what you do when you go back? You just yeah, like to kind of. Uh, I don't know if you, I, I used to go to the Ritz. Trevor he used to give me the haircut. It's right next to Kilroy's. 
like right opposite Kilroy. So I'm, I, I went and saw the Hyper, I, uh, which is the gym. I went um, back to the B school, walked around, looked at the classrooms. We were, you know, go to the same bars, go to sports, which is now the jungle. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I very much like wanted to do the same things and see like how it's changed and be like, oh, like, oh wow, it used to be like this and now it's like this. For me, I find it kind of cool. Okay, reminiscing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That, that's always fun. Um, okay, so give a little bit more of a background on you. I know you have quite a unique. Yeah. Story in life so far. The full thing. Sure. Yeah. So let's start day one. Your little son. Well, uh, I was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. True corn husker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lincoln, Nebraska. My dad is doing is a PhD at University of Nebraska. So um, I was born there and traveled around a bit in the U.S. I went to New Jersey after Nebraska, and then I went to Iowa. So now I'm three and a half, three and a half, I leave the U.S., go all the way to Tokyo. Tokyo, we landed in Tokyo, but we eventually moved to Kyoto, which is where I did my kindergarten and grade one. Uh, so I was there for two years, and my parents are ethnically Sri Lankan. So after that, we went to Sri Lanka for three years. So this is now grade four. And in 2002, December, actually a day after my birthday, we went to Nairobi, Kenya which is where I lived for 10 years, uh, 2002 to 2012. I graduated high school, then came back to the U.S., you know, went to Indiana, went to the Kelly School of Business there, uh, stayed there for four years, and now I live in New York. So, you know, throw in Singapore in between as an exchange. <laughs> and, yeah, I've been very lucky to live in quite a few places. What was the first place you remember living? Like, as, obviously as a child, yeah. or like as a young, young kid, Moved around a lot. Do you remember any of those places? Uh, the first place I remember is Iowa. Iowa. Okay. I remember Iowa. We lived in Ames. I, I remember going on the I-80 and I actually wanted to be a truck driver when I was young. Like an 18-wheeler. I, I looked at them and I was like, you know what? I want to do that. Looking back, I don't know. I think I'm glad I did finance. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember Iowa. That's my first experience. Okay. And New Jersey and I don't remember Nebraska at all. So New Jersey was before Iowa and when I look at photos, I don't know if I actually remember them or I just like look at the photo and think I do. So I would say definitively my memory starts at Iowa. Okay. So when like did you understand what was going on, like having to move around that much, or were you just like your parents like I guess why did you have to move around so much and as a kid were you like um, defensive about it like did it annoy you or did it was it like new and exciting and I would say so we moved around right because my dad was doing uh, research at different universities and he would just get different gigs at different places and we would just jump around uh, eventually we moved to Kenya uh, because he got a job at the UN and one oh. of the headquarters for the UN is in Nairobi so once you go to the headquarters it's kind of hard to it doesn't make sense to go somewhere else. So that's how we stopped moving after we moved to Kenya. I remember uh, crying my eyes out uh, on the last day of Japan having to leave because I really didn't want to go. I, Japan's my favorite country that I've lived in. Maybe it's because I have a romanticized view of my experience there. Um, but I remember crying so much and I didn't want to leave. But, you know, going to Sri Lanka, having to leave, at the time I was just like, you know, I guess this is what everyone does. You know, you sort of just... I didn't have the... 
like the maturity to understand like there are other alternatives you know people are staying in one place their whole life I just thought yeah this is what everyone did and this is what we are doing yeah and it wasn't until I came to university in the US that I realized how much I moved around to hear someone you know growing up their whole life in New Jersey their whole life in a suburb of Chicago it's that's really like you know gives me some perspective being a robot I really moved around so is that like, do you remember like a first, like a defining moment, like when you got to university where you're like, whoa, like, I guess I'm a little bit different in what I did than like the typical, or not the typical person, but like the typical American, I'd say. Yeah, I think uh, definitely just asking, when people ask me where I'm from, you know, I, I, obviously, I obviously knew that I had lived in different places, but just the gravity of how uncommon that was really hit me when people would be like, you really have moved around a lot. I was like, I, I guess I have. I mean, I didn't really think about it like that. A lot of my friends back in Kenya kind of had similar experiences or even if they didn't, they didn't really like dwell on it uh, too much because maybe a lot of their parents were from different places as well. Um, but definitely when people would be like, where, where are you from? I'll be like, oh, I'm from Kenya. Like, oh, you don't really look Kenya. I'm like, yeah, my parents are Sri Lankan. <laughs> then I'll be like, oh, okay, so you're born in Sri Lanka and moved to Kenya. No, actually I was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> You need to like tell me the whole story, then I go through the whole like, diatribe yeah. um, where I'm from and they're like, man, like, I haven't heard that in a while. So <laughs> that's when it really hit me, like having to explain, like, you know, when you go to university, you meet, especially a school as big as uh, you, you meet like so many kids and where you're from is one of the first questions people ask you. And having to say this over and over again, it's like getting the same reaction, it's just like, wow. So would you f originally say Kenya? I would, I initially, I just stuck to Kenya, uh, and if people like want to know more, then I would give them the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, because the thing is that I, I, I could say Sri Lanka, I could say just the US, but then like they'll start asking me questions like, oh, what was it like, you know, living in Sri Lanka? Where did you go to school in Nebraska? And I'll be like, actually, like I moved. So no matter <laughs> what I say, uh, if they wanted to get to know me even a little bit more, then they would find out very soon. Okay. Got it. How did you come to the decision to want to like do the exchange program in Singapore? Because I know originally you were saying you weren't gonna, you didn't want to do it, or you weren't gonna apply. I remember I was walking around university saying, like, well, why the fuck should I go on exchange? Like, I, I'm already on, I'm already studying abroad. <laughs> you know, like I am here studying abroad. You guys are the ones who need to go out there, like, go see a new country. And my friend, actually one of my best friends, Sid Suresh, he, I spent a summer with him, half of a summer, doing an extra class while he did summer i -Corps, which is like a course at IU. Um, and he, he really wanted to go to the Netherlands and we were talking about it and he just goes, Sahand, why don't you just fucking study abroad? Like, why are you being so, why are you being so negative about this? You know, it's part of your story you know, going to a new place. And, you know, I, I sat back and I was like, you know what, yeah, it is, it is part of my story. So I, you know, went back to Kenya. I was doing an internship there at a consulting firm. And, you know, when I'd go home, I'd be like, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna study abroad. So I went to the website, looked at things. Barcelona, I don't know, don't really like their uh, football team, or soccer team. So I was like, maybe not that. Where can I go? What's a, what's a really good school? Then National University of Singapore, NUS, I was like, applying. I don't even know if I'll get in or not, but hey, I'm doing it. And I'm so glad that I went on exchange. 
I, to this day, I always tell Sid, you know, thanks so much for convincing me. Okay, so a little external help from your friend. Yeah, a little external help from your friend, just to like correct me. Yeah. <laughs> so because like before when you were so defensive, you're just like, <laughs> like I'm already studying yeah, abroad. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I just it, I didn't really understand. I had to get out of my own head, I guess, and have someone be like, you know, so it doesn't matter if you like live in so many places, you can like continue doing that. And I was like, yeah, I guess I can. I'm so glad I did. Okay. So obviously, leaving the U.S. as a kid, probably don't remember too much about everything. But like coming back then as an 18-year-old after living abroad, especially in like country like Tokyo, yeah. where its culture is pretty different. Kyoto, I was or Kyoto, yeah, sorry. Um, and then Kenya, which I'm not sure how culture is there. Maybe you can explain that a bit. But what was like? Was there any, well, like, did you have a culture shock coming back to the U.S., especially, like, a university? Uh, I did. So, I think this is similar to a lot of people, but, you know, U.S. media is very prevalent. So, you see the movies, and you see the music, and you think you know the U.S., right? Like, I thought, like, you know, I've seen High School Musical, like, I know how, like, the U.S. is, right? <laughs> um, and I land, and it's a small, it's a small things that get you, like, the way people talk, the way people interact. I also went to the Midwest, which is its own culture. You know, people are very, people are very friendly, but you know, people very rarely, I feel like, say what's on their mind. So it took me a little while to get used to, like, understanding nuance. Um, definitely, the culture of like hanging out with friends, uh, going out. Um, I found the U.S. to be surprisingly conservative compared to what I thought. You know, you see like the Hollywood and you see like all these actors and you hear all these stories and you think, oh, everyone in the US like goes crazy, but you come here and it's like, actually, it's, I think Europe is more liberal in that sense. Um, one of my friends actually on exchange uh, explained it really well, like comparing certain Europeans and Americans in terms of being their friend and they compared them as, a, as an American is a peach and a European is a watermelon. This is obviously a generalization, uh, but an American is a peach because in a peach, it's soft on the outside, really hard on the inside. So Americans are very friendly if you're at the bus stop, they'll say hi. If you're walking on the road, they'll smile, they'll wave, especially in the Midwest. But it's really hard to become their true friend, like become like, I guess, their bro or their brother, you know, or, you know, like become really close with, with uh, a girl. It's, it's to consider them like you part of their family is really hard. Whereas what I learned on my exchange trip was, compared to some Europeans, it's they would not just talk to you if you meet them at the canteen or at the bus stop. They wouldn't even, they might not even look at you, but so like a hard outer shell of the watermelon. But immediately, once you break that barrier, they're really, really friendly with you. Um, like one of my friends from exchange, you know, you, you we, were, we were pretty good friends, and so much so that just after knowing me for a few months, she was willing to host me at her house, like on very short notice for a week, and uh, you know, really took care of me well. So I, I found that that, that interesting uh, shock as well. Yeah, just how different yeah, Americans were compared to my perception of who they were. Has that changed since you've been in New York for over a year now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, New York is its, its own place. It's, New York is just a collection of people from other places, right? <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, like within New York, they're your own circles. Um, I mean, I feel like New Yorks get a bad rep. People say they're rude and they're busy, but I feel like the difference is between Indiana and New York is that in Indiana, 
Why not? You people will go out of their way to help you. Whereas in New York, no one's going to do that. But if you ask them, they'll they'll be willing to help you and talk to you. So I, yeah, one of the things that also surprised me about the U.S. is how territorial it is. You know, like people in the West Coast like really stick to the West Coast, and people in the Midwest like like to stay in the Midwest. You know, most of my friends got jobs in Chicago. I'd say like 95% of them are in Chicago. And to me, you know, going to New York was a no-brainer. I remember uh, when I was at my orientation for my when I started work, I, it had my university and my office location, and people from my university who worked in the Chicago office would come and ask me, why did you go to New York? As if that was a strange decision. Whereas to me, it was just, hey, I'm just going to another city, you know, a cooler city in my opinion. But that proved how like, territorial they were and how, like, how close they stick together to the region. That's a good way to put it. I never, I guess I knew that, but I've never thought about it like that. Like, Maybe part of it is probably because like a lot of family is probably back in those areas. Yeah. So one, like you want to stay close to your family. Yeah. And that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, it's like if right now you're young, you're you know if your family's situated, like now's the time to maybe go out and live other places. Um, and I think it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You go to school in the Midwest, and everyone else is going to Chicago. And like everyone, you hear all these good things about it. I'm using Chicago as an example because that's what I know. And you sort of be like, you know what, I'll just go to Chicago as well. Like a company I work for might recruit from the Chicago office. So you just end up, you sort of have to go against the grain to like break out of that. Well, it's not just like, here's option A, here's option B. It's like, here's option A, like it's presented to you. And then like you kind of have to like look around it to see like what else is there. True, especially with recruiting. Because yeah. all the, a lot of the recruiters coming are people from Chicago, people yeah. from Indiana, exactly. those yeah. places, so, and yeah. I mean, New York is also, I mean, the joke is that, you know, the rest of the world thinks that the U.S. think they're so special, and uh, the U.S., the people in the U.S. think New Yorkers think they're so special, so New York is like the epitome of, like, it doesn't matter, this is New York, we have our own laws, like, I, the, the amount of uh, hassle it took me to find an apartment in New York, just, they needed to look at my credit history, like, so many like proof of payment proof of employment I've had people asking for transcripts like looking for an apartment what? it's just like so your long. transcripts I know it's just so they're like you know they're so pedantic about it like no it's this is our law we have our own laws and we're going to stick to it so it's, that's an exa- another example of how like you know it doesn't matter what everyone else does like we're going to do it the way we want to okay yeah. quick question about New York sure <laughs> what's the strangest thing on the subway you've seen <laughs> Strangest thing on the subway. Oh my god. I've seen I've seen a lot of things. I've seen people do interpretive dance, I've seen people uh, dress up in like a pink like rabbit costume with a sign that says pooping and farting on it with a recording of him saying that over and over again. Not asking for money, just standing there casually. Um, seeing this guy I think we were talking about this the other day, but the funniest thing I saw was this guy, it's like five AM in the New York subway. And this guy was in like this like feather feather coat, like it just had feathers on it, with his iPod in, <laughs> like singing a cappella, like looking like like not looking at anyone on the side, but there's like five people in the car, just looking like towards the poles, and the car would stop and he would like leave the subway and then come back in and like not let the train go, and then the conductor had to come and like to escort him out, like sir, you know we have to leave. 
And the funniest moment was this construction worker was on the subway. It looked like he's lived in New York for 30 years and just looks at me and goes, fucking New York, man. And I just died laughing. I was just like, wow, this is so crazy. Just, the thing is that if you go into the subway, like, looking for it, it's just like, oh, it's kind of funny. But you see, you see them at the, the times you least expect. You know, like coming home from work, like where you're thinking about something and you just, some guy next to you is like on the floor, like, I don't know. Like I, I literally saw a guy just, everyone is standing, he's just on the floor sitting, just looking down, like, like legs crossed on the floor. It's just, it just makes you go, well, you know? Yeah. There's no sense of shame. And then it's just like, no matter what happens, people just like, are reading the paper, they look up and they look down, they look, <laughs> flip the page, you know, nothing happened. They're just yeah. so desensitized, yeah, dude. It's just, just like, oh. Guys, shitting on the floor, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Just another day. <laughs> yeah, just another day. Exactly. Yeah. What's been the hardest adjustment for you, either since living in the U.S. total or in New York, or I guess just in the last few years? Um, for me, the hardest thing is probably actually developing, like becoming like true friends, like developing close friendships with people. Um, I sort of started late because I came there at 18 when a lot of my friends have had friends I've known since they were three or four years old um, and having to constantly move like even like within the US I was in college for four years made some really good friends 95% of them in Chicago I went to New York yeah that's my decision I understand I have to accept the pros and cons but now it's like holy shit do I have to start all over again you know do I have to like make my new social circle so what I've done is, you know, try to stay in touch with them as much as possible, visit. But I would say, like, establishing, like, a close friendship with people has been quite tough. Especially in New York, it's a very... I'd say it's, there's a lot of people, but it can be very lonely. It's just, it's so vast that it's just you and everyone else, and everyone's doing their own thing. You know, everyone's always looking for the next best thing. So yeah. it's, it's quite tricky. Okay. So how have you, like, broken in, like combat that a little bit like if you've been able to so far you mean like in New York yeah in, I mean putting yourself out there um, I'd say like internet and technology help nowadays you know joining uh, there are all these websites where you can meet people and through that you can establish friendships I think one good thing about New York is that it's not just you who feels like this it's all these other people so all you have to do is like sort of meet someone or meet a group of people and then you would establish a relationship. Yeah. Okay. I mean, work friends help and them introducing you to other friends helps too. But I think you have to take a, and this is true for, I'd say anyone who's recently left university is all your life you've been in an environment where people who think similar to you and are around your age have just been like thrust right next to you. You're always hanging around with like 20 people of the same age as you who kind of think and want to do the same things. And now all of a sudden you're just in the world and you have to go seek out these opportunities and experiences. And I think it has, what I have done to combat that is just like taken initiative and just gone and put myself out there. So how do you, because I know you're not a big drinker. No. Sometimes you like will go months without any drinks. Sometimes. I used to. I, used to, I started young when I was like 16 or something. In okay. Canada, so I'm just like kind of over it. Okay. So in, especially in a, in a business setting and New York, where, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of activities revolve around drinking or involve alcohol. Especially in consulting. Yeah, especially, yeah, consulting. So, 
I mean, obviously you're comfortable with like not drinking and like that's a huge part of it, but how do you like still go out and when everyone around you is drinking and just like, I guess what's like your mindset around that and like still like just having just as much fun on everyone without alcohol? And... I would say that, I mean, people, there is a phase where people like, it's tricky. I, I've had a lot of, I've had a hard time dealing with this. Um, I've tried different tactics. I have just tried to say I'll try that I don't drink, but that draws a lot of attention to you, and then people are like, oh, why aren't you drinking, blah, blah, blah. And then I've also tried just getting one drink and babying it, and then people will be like, dude, I've seen you drink that whole drink. Like, I'd rather you not drink, and then all that kind of stuff. Um, I think at the end of the day, no one really cares. I mean, in the moment, they might make fun of you, and they might just egg you on a bit, and Maybe, like, it might, if you, if you don't do what they're doing, they might not invite you to a future event, and potentially that might impact your career in some way. Like, you might not be able to develop a bond with the manager. If, let's say, it's you and another, another person at the same level, and they have, like, this bond because they go out drink together, and you don't. It might uh, affect you, but at the end of the day, I think, like, no one really cares. You just have to just own it, you know? I remember, I remember my friend, Caroline, um, we were in Bali and we went to this bar and it was like kind of dead it was like three or four people and I was just standing there looking like what the hell's going on like why, what are we here like where's the party and like they were playing good music and stuff and I remember seeing Caroline because she had like a beer in one hand a cigarette in the other hand and she was just standing like away from us just like dancing to the music just enjoying it because to her like it, it didn't matter like she was there she, it was music she liked she had what she wanted, she had a cigarette in one hand, a beer in the other hand, and just sort of, you know, took it in and enjoyed it. And I think, I think like there's, there's a quote that says, uh, no one really cares about what you do because people are too busy thinking about what other people think of them. <laughs> so like, you know, you're always busy thinking, oh man, if I don't drink, what will people think of me? But other people are too busy thinking about what other people will think of themselves to think about what you're doing. So you just have to, I guess, let it go. Um, you know, just be firm and just say, yeah, I don't drink, or yeah, I'm just going to have one or two where i got to go somewhere else and just move on from that. So why do you think people, like, try to egg you on, or like, because I've experienced this too, in, yeah, in the past, I don't know, 20 yeah. plus days I haven't drank, and one of like the, this is like my third night yeah. like trying to do this and it was like a Saturday and like yeah. we were it was like in the hostel everyone it was a party in the hostel and like this is in Japan? yeah this was okay. in Kyoto actually in Kyoto okay. and I was talking to these two German guys and they were like I was just drinking like an iced tea or something right. and they are like where's your beer? <laughs> I'm like oh, I'm not drinking tonight or like I'm just having yeah. this iced tea and they're like what? <laughs> I'm like oh, I'm like I'm, I'm not drinking and they're like but like why? Like, they could not understand it. And, like, continued the whole night to, like, let me buy you a beer. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's, no, it's okay. Like, it is strange. I mean, I think the thing about egging you on is... I think they just do it because people do it to them or it's just a thing to do. I don't think they consciously think, oh, I need to egg him on to get him to drink. Maybe people feel uncomfortable if you're not drinking and they're drinking. They might think, like, oh, like, I don't want you to see me state when I'm inebriated and you're not but I, I really don't think they think like that 
tactically about it. They're just sort of like, it's just a thing you do when you see a guy who doesn't drink, you know? It's kind of like in the US when you say, hi, like, how are you doing? You just say, fine. It's just like, you might not be fine. You just say, like, you just reflex. Or like the new thing is people always say they're tired. Like, it's like a new fashion to say you're tired. I'm like, how are you always this tired? It's just like a thing people say. It's like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> it's just like oh he's not drinking ah oh, come on man wait why are you not drinking uh, why don't you want to have one more I just think it's a thing people do they don't really think about it just yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah, yeah like, how you, like oh how are you doing today good yeah good, good. Yeah. Yeah. I think Here it's changing with our, our generation I'd say like especially with like you know like 2011 12 like the whole fitness thing like came back in and I feel like more people are not drinking and I think people are getting used to the idea but there are definitely some people who just I mean, I think I've been guilty of egging up people on that. Oh, stuff. me too. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just like a reflex. It's just something you have to do, you know? Yeah. yeah. Maybe like you just want them to be a part of the party. Right. You just the want party. them to loosen up. Or you just, you just think, oh, they're being uptight and loosen up. Or... Yeah. I think it's this idea that like you know better. Like, hey man, like, if you have a drink, like you, would have, you actually want to have a drink, but for some reason you're holding yourself back. Kind of thing. So last night you said you don't have a problem going out in New York and not drinking yeah. and you feel fine. But then when we were in Singapore and we were at this club last yeah. night, you felt a little bit more strange. Yeah. Like, why do you like know why you were feeling that way? Or like, um, I, would say, I mean, it's just a little smaller, different crowd. Uh, I found it a little harder. I mean, the music wasn't exactly like my ideal type of music. And Usually, like, I, if I, you go out alone, you can just kind of get lost in the crowd. I mean, I still had fun yesterday. Yeah. But I would say that I think it's just a difference in the cities. Like, it's just so easy to do that in New York. You find a lot of other people do that as well. I tell this to some of my friends, and they think, oh, you're so strange, you're so weird. But if you actually try it, it's actually really easy to meet people because you are a lot more approachable as an individual than as a group. Think about it. If you're going to talk to a guy or a girl and they're surrounded by all their friends, chances are not, you're probably not going to say hi. But if it's just one person, it's so much easier to go say hi and make a conversation. So you'll go out solo in New York? I would. I've done that. Really? I've done, I've done that several times. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just go have fun and you come back. Sometimes you meet people. Uh, you know, sometimes you make friends. I actually made some friends sometimes. Sometimes you meet, you meet some girls. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I would say that might be unique to New York. I don't know if you can do that in Bloomington. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think it works in here because other people do that as well. Okay. Yeah. And it's a city of people are coming and going you know you can just be a tourist for a week and you're going out alone so I think it's really even I assume Tokyo is the same way yeah well definitely in Japan there's a more more like public places are in tune for like the individual right. like if you go to a restaurant or yeah like pretty much every restaurant it's like single seating right? yeah has their own like it's a bar but it's not like a drinking bar like right. you know if you in the US if you go to a restaurant they have a bar right but, like, in Japan, it's, like, okay, they have tables for groups, but then, like, here's a bar with ten seats just for people who come in individual. And, like, it's not that weird to go eat alone for dinner or, yeah. like, for lunch. Yeah. Like, it's just normal. So I think that's, like, one of those things where, like, in the U.S., if, if you go out and eat a, at a nice restaurant right. for dinner alone, it's kind of, like, okay. Yeah, it's, like, just, it's just, like, why, though, right? I, yeah. I just think... Like, what's so weird about it? I just think yeah. you've been trained to think it's weird. Yeah. Um, one of my friends, Harris, actually loves... He loves food. So he always goes out and eats alone. And I haven't done the eating alone thing as much. Uh, I've done it once or twice. 
Okay. But he would just go and go to a restaurant and get a nice meal by himself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that uh, in the last episode, or two episodes ago, Akil, who I interviewed, who, oh, yeah. the guy who did like 250 days of travel, oh, wow. he was like, someone told me to just go to a restaurant and eat alone. He's like, if you can do that and feel comfortable with yourself and just yeah. like enjoy it, then you're on the right path to like be exactly. able to travel you, you solo. Just, all of a sudden you realize like what's the big deal about because you're not worried about what other person is some is thinking and a lot of this is I live alone in New York and as for, just for someone like me I feel like I'm a, I might be a little bit impressionable I like learning from other people no matter who you are if you live with someone or hang around them you're always going to be influenced by them and I was like this for 22 years of my life you know high school all the way to university had roommates and now all of a sudden I go to a new city one of the biggest cities in the world alone living alone so it's very much saha like it's just you <laughs> everything you do what time you wake up of course you had to go to work and everything but what time you wake up on the weekend how clean your place is what you wear how you decorate it you know where you keep the food and where you keep the water and everything it's all your decision when you go out how often you go out so it really helped me sort of like I guess find myself or know what I want to do okay and that's helped me like you know going out alone it's just like because you're not going to run into anyone who's going to be like, oh, I saw you eating alone. It's just like, it's not that big of a deal. You know? <laughs> yeah. just go into it. Yeah. So what are, so in college you had roommates all four years, yeah. I think, as most people do. Yeah. Um, I was alone in Singapore. True, yeah. Singapore was my first taste of living alone, too. But it's, it was almost didn't count because it's just like you always outside. Yeah, yeah. and our rooms were the size of a closet. Exactly. So we yeah. got outside yeah. quite often. Oh, yeah. No AC. Yeah. The most humid place in the world. <laughs> Literally, like, yeah. above, like, one degree above the equator. Oh, like, um, but so, like, what are some of the. You discussed a little bit of the pros of living alone, but, like, what are some of the more cons or uh, some of the pros as well? Pros and cons of living alone. I would say, I mean, cons, it definitely gets lonely. Um, sometimes you come home and you just want to share or vent with someone. And I'd say it might be a little amplified to me because a lot of my friends, good friends from the university are not in New York. So it's not like I can just go like swing by the block and say hi to my friend. This is very much just you. So I would say the cons are definitely like it can get lonely. Um, apart from that so far it's been good I've only done it for a year I really like it uh, some people like having someone to talk some people like having, having someone to do things with but apart from like getting lonely a few times and of course I can't split the rent with anyone so <laughs> yeah. that sucks you know but apart from that I really like it Okay, so yesterday we were talking a little bit about how there's this notion in America, or at least kind of how you have noticed, that a lot of people feel like they need to follow a passion or find their passion, and, and that's the ultimate success is to be passionate about something and follow this. Um, and you were, I guess, not raised to kind of think this way. Or not raised, but your background, this was never like the ideal so I guess could you just kind of expand on this notion a little bit more yeah definitely man I mean I was always taught that you know especially a job is something you do that you're good at that you know you can earn money and 
sort of provide a better quality of life than your parents did for you because my grandparents did the same thing for my father and so on and so forth. So I had always, and I had heard of, you know, following a passion or doing what you like. So for like, I didn't, I hated medicine, just the idea of being a doctor. So I was like, all right, I'm, I'm scrapping that. Lawyer, eh, I don't think so. It was like between engineering and finance and business world, eventually chose business. So yeah, I, I wanted to do something I liked, but I don't know if that was my passion. I wanted to make sure I was good at it. Uh, and then I came to the U.S. and not so much in college, but I definitely see it after I started working. A lot of my friends, you know, they got jobs and maybe some of them don't like it as much. And they are always talking about, oh, I want to do something I'm passionate about. I want to do something I'm passionate about. And the premise is that you do something you're passionate about because that's what's going to make you happy. But it's just like wonderful irony that all these people, all my friends are desperately trying to search for their passion. And this search is actually making them more unhappy than if they just accepted that, you know, a job is a job. There's going to be ups and downs. Just do something you're good at because there's a high chance if you're good at it, you're going to enjoy it because it's providing you some validation. Uh, and just take it as it take it as it is, you know, it, it might be easier for you to get through your job if you just accept that it's just a job and not fussing over, uh, even though this is a good job, like, uh, it's not my passion. So I find that it's a different perspective to have and, I, for example, I don't know what my passion is. I mean, maybe I should know what my passion is or maybe I have, I have multiple passions. You know, I really like working out. I mean, if I won the lottery, I would like to be, like, I guess a personal trainer. And not to have my own company or anything, but just to, you know, like, work out, help a few of my friends. But, I mean, would I want to do that forever? I don't know. Maybe, ideally, my life would be a series of hobbies, right? I would do something, get bored of it, and then do something else, right? I don't think, and some people do have. One of my friends, Jordan, I think he legitimately is passionate about finance. <laughs> like, he loves, like, understanding how the markets work and how, you know, certain financial derivatives and securities operate and he really genuinely likes it and that's power to him and some people do have that but some people don't and I don't think it's fair to put this like pressure on you to like have a passion. That makes sense. And like especially if the lifestyle you want is one like a higher end lifestyle, comfortable lifestyle, following your passion might not always provide that. Like if you were to quit your job and just go be a regular personal trainer. Exactly. You couldn't live where you live. You couldn't... Exactly. I mean, unless I become really good. I think it's just a reaction to the previous generation, like I guess our parents' generation in the U.S., just being uber practical. You know, it was all about, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's our grandparents after World War, just like, you just do a job that can provide for your family. And this passion, I guess, is like an overreaction to that. And obviously it's... The, like most things in life, the answer lies somewhere in the balance, right? But I feel like a lot of us are still like in the, you know, we sort of like went too far the other way and sort of have to be like, you know, it's okay to do something that you're good at that you might have a passion about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that makes sense. That's interesting. Like, it's like, oh, I'm, they're like trying to like find this thing that makes them happy and in turn that's making them more sad. Like, Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> they're just like, oh, like this, this is a really good job. I'm getting good money. I'm, I'm good at it, but is this my passion? Maybe that's an unnecessary question. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being narrow-minded or myopic about it. But that's just what I think. You know. Yeah.
All right, we'll get into travel a little bit All now. Right, let's do it. Whether, I guess, where have been, throughout your life, obviously, you've traveled from just moving a ton. And Singapore, you got here, traveled all over the Southeast Asian countries. Um, Like, where else have you gone, I guess, like that you particularly remember? Uh, Within, like, while I was at an exchange in Singapore or just in general? Both. Both? Yeah. Um, Start with Singapore. Start with Singapore? Yeah. So, for me, um, like, destinations haven't really been a big thing. Because I've always moving around, I never really cared for like the landscape or a certain place. It was all about friends. Um, but I re- I did have really good trips. So when I was in Singapore, I didn't travel too much. I went to Bali. I went to an island in Indonesia called Bintan, and then I went to Thailand, and I went to Vietnam, and Malaysia. Okay. I saw the Formula One race in Kuala Lumpur. That was really fun. Um, I would say that. I really like each trip because each trip had a theme. Going to Bali was very much establishing of friendships. So it was like, yeah, it was fun. I learned how my friend Peter taught me how to surf. I got close to people like Alex, Caroline, uh, Sophia. Uh, and it's sort of like, we were all new. It was early in the exchange. We didn't really know much about each other. And there was this opportunity for us to get to know each other outside the environment of the university. Um, my trip to Thailand was with Peter, uh, uh, Peggy, Sadaf, and Joanna. I don't know if you know them. Yes, um, yeah. And that was that was just pure party. <laughs> like we went to Bangkok for three days. That was just by the tenth day. Wait, like, you did Bangkok for ten no, days? No, we did we did Bangkok, Krabi, Kopipi, and Phuket. Okay. By the t- <laughs> <laughs> those are like all the biggest party places. I know. By the tenth day, we were so drained. It was. It, I never thought that I could be that tired. But I mean, going to Bangkok was really fun. We just. It was really fun because the other three girls on the trip were like, really wanted to like do all these like cool things, like climb the ghost tower and see all these temples. And we were just like we didn't care about that. And Peter and I went on this boat and. We like accidentally like stumbled into the ghost tower and climbed it, and it was great. I would recommend it. I would recommend doing it if you have the opportunity. I don't know if it's like illegal now or something. There was someone who like committed suicide there a while ago. It's just like a huge building that was is unfinished and gives you a great view of Bangkok. But we climbed it and it was a great view. And we came down and the girls were like desperately trying to find this ghost tower, but they couldn't find it. And it was just hilarious that we found it, but they couldn't. <laughs> yeah, so th- Thailand was purely a party. And then Malaysia was obviously, you know, g- going to see Formula One. It was also with a different set of friends, uh, Tony, Alex, Bora. Uh, I hadn't really, I had really like always talked to them, but never really got to know them. So I used that opportunity to like really like solidify my friendship. And then what I like to call the bro trip was Peter, Christian, and myself uh, going to Vietnam. Um, just you know, all and all the debauch- the debauchery that followed. Um, so I, I like I, I tailored my trips across uh, my friends. Even after I came back from exchange, I went to Germany and Poland. I went to uh, went to Stuttgart, went to Krakow, Poland. That was because some of my friends from exchange were there. Um, so I mean, for me, traveling is all about. Ideally, it's about visiting friends that I have met throughout my life and 
establishing and maintaining the relationships that I've made. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good way to travel. Yeah, that's that. So, like, I would rather go to. I don't know, pick what's what's a really boring place that you would never go to. In your perspective, where are we from in Nebraska? Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> I'd rather go to Lincoln, Nebraska, <laughs> if my friend was there, than go to let's say Tokyo. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, to a certain extent, I mean, there's a balance. Like, obviously, there's certain places I would want to go just to see how it is, but some people's main purpose of traveling is to see different things for me it's to see my friends I mean I'm, I'm lucky enough to have different friends across the world that I get to do that maybe other people aren't so lucky but I'd say that's my main theme for traveling okay yeah. when you are going to new places like like when you went to Poland yeah and that was your first time there yeah, it was how do you lost my passport you lost your passport lost my passport at me in the airport <laughs> well immediately like, no, no, no. I came to Stuttgart, um, and then like I had a great time. And then I remember like getting on the plane from it was Stuttgart to Munich to Krakow, Poland. And I remember like helping this lady put her bag up. Usually, I have a routine. I go show the passport, hold it in my hand until I sit down on the plane, put it in my bag. But this lady asked me to help her out. So I put my passport in the chair, put it up, and then eventually, long story short, it was gone. Called them, they couldn't find it. Had to go to the consulate in Krakow. Got it at 4.50. They closed at 5. <laughs> and like, on Sunday, the fans was like, hey, we found a passport. I'm like, it's too late. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sorry, I interrupted you. Um, so when you're going to these yeah. places to like see friends, I guess, how do you find... Like, Do you even try to find a balance of like seeing the place and spending a lot of time with your friends, or does that just happen naturally because they like want to show you around and see some of the good sites? I think it happens naturally. Um, and this might be particular to me, but... When I visited my friend Caroline Sutkart, I wanted to know, like, what's it like to live like you here? I wanted to know, like, where do you go and buy your bread in the morning? When at what store? Like, where, what uh, kebab place do you eat at when you come home from night out? You know, that kind of stuff. I really want to, like, sort of live in your shoes. So, like, yeah, I would like to see, like, a cathedral or, like, some of the famous monuments, of course. But I'd say it's more... The end goal is to get a glimpse into what your life is like. Yeah. So really get that local feeling. Exactly. Oh, yeah. that's cool. That's a good way to do it too if you have a close friend. I know, I know, because like, you know, you live, you just do things the, the way they do, you eat the same things and you kind of get a glimpse of like, if I was living in Stuttgart, like, I guess this is what my life would look like, you know? This is what I would eat, this is like where I would walk to, uh, where I would, you know, meet with my friends, all that kind of things. Okay. So with that, that made me think of um, like how maybe we respond or act more because of our conditions. We were talking about this, oh, yeah. like, um, what, how did you word it? Like, is it the thing about Gladwell, Gladwell and Malcolm Gladwell said? About, Wait, what? Is it the thing about Malcolm Gladwell? Did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. yeah. What, how did he put oh, that? I mean, they did a study... Uh, of kids cheating on exams and they said that it's not the same kid who cheats all the time it depends on circumstance so who you are is more dependent on your environment and circumstance than something innate yeah okay so that's like when you go to these places you're like this is how my life would maybe be if I was living here so you're really looking at like because of these conditions here like this is maybe how exactly I mean that my taste in music like if I grew up in the US like 
I probably wouldn't be into soccer as much as I am. I probably might not like house music as much as I am. Probably wouldn't like Ronaldo as much as I do. <laughs> I might be some different person, and I might be I might dress differently, all that kind of stuff. So it's just kind of interesting to see, like, what maybe how I, my life would be different if I grew up here. Also, what it would be like to maybe move here and live. Yeah. And how just the culture and exactly and your environment would affect how you live, especially in Europe, because that was the first time I had been to Europe. Going to, Germany, going to Germany and Poland and I really wanted you know people always talk about it and I really wanted to be like what is this about yeah. so with kind of back to when you're traveling around Asia um, like how did you ever feel like there were a time where things maybe got a little bit repetitive or like you know, a lot of Asia, like the sightseeing at least, is like temples, shrines, things like that. Like, did you ever feel like things were a little bit repetitive? Um, if so, or if not, like, how do you kind of keep each destination exciting um, and like unique when some of the like similar options are available? I mean, definitely it got repetitive. Um, just having grown up in Sri Lanka and Kenya, like both, I mean, Kenya. Nairobi is like 6,000 feet above sea level, so it's not humid, but it's still like warm. And I just got tired of the palm trees and the beaches. Like I wanted to go to Berlin. I wanted to go to cities. I wanted to go to Tokyo. Like I wanted to go to all these places where all my friends in exchange were trying to avoid. Right? So they wanted to come and go to some island in Southeast Asia. I wanted to go to like some big city in Europe. Right? And in terms of how do I keep it interesting, um, it was tricky I would say that I prefer staying at a few places for a longer period of time because I really don't like uh, spending a lot of energy traveling so, and even if it means it's like one or two days where you don't do much that's fine that's part of the trip right it can't be like uh, like all action all the time you know like having some, some downtime at a place is important so I would say that you know I would pick a place and like spend a long time Okay. For example, um, I'm planning a new thing I'm, I've started doing is with uh, one way I'm trying to maintain my friendships with my friends is by taking a trip or two a year to like a new country. So my friend Nishid and I are doing a trip to Berlin and Prague. It's going to be another party trip, but <laughs> we're gonna he, we we're out we're right now discussing because he's talking to some friends and they're saying oh. You know, staying five days in Prague is too much. You know, just stick it to two. Then he's like, hey, maybe we should go to Amsterdam. Like, no, no, no. We should just stay in Berlin and then go to Prague. Like, just extend it. Have that comfort. And that's a way for you to, like, make it more enjoyable, I think. Just instead of having to move all these different places. Even, like, if you're going to see, like, ten temples a day. It's just like... I think what's tiring is if you've seen three temples and the idea of having to see six more. Right? It's like you're going, when you're traveling, you might go to an island and it's like you're going to three more places and it's the same thing. I feel like that's more tiring than if you just spent like seven days in an island. You can just be like, all right, this is just a place and I'm just going to take it in for what it is. Okay. Yeah. So just maybe just not jumping around as much. Exactly. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but... Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's I tricky mean, in traveling with people. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and the people you're with probably help make it pretty unique too. Yes. Yeah. Especially because you always kind of had different groups. Right. Do you have any sort of 
strategy or routine to like maintain your well-being while on the road whether that's physical like diet type stuff or mental or you mean like spiritual. kind of fun or for work both because yeah being a consultant you travel yeah. pretty often too so yeah, it's hard man uh, i've definitely had i think no matter how nice your hotel room is like with this when you're working uh, it's not the same as your bed i would say tips to i mean just safety tips always drink bottled water like when you're traveling don't drink any type of water. Like you don't want to deal with that stuff. But I mean, in terms of um, diet and stuff, um, I try stick to rice. Rice and some sort of chicken, some sort of vegetables. You know, it's pretty basic stuff. Uh, if you can, get in a workout, get it in. Uh, walking helps. Um, and... Even if you're, if you're drinking, I mean, it's hard, especially if you're traveling, if you're, like, on a holiday. Um, my thing is that, like, if you're going to go and, like, indulge, it's just indulge. Don't trick yourself into being, like, oh, I'm just going to, like, half indulge. Because then you're going to think, oh, like, I, I got away with half indulging, like, I can just continue doing that. Like, just indulge and then recognize that you indulged and then, like, go back and work you know, on, like, fixing that or, like, moving on from that. Indulge in 12 square donuts. 10 square donuts. Yeah, I, I have a sweet tooth, so <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I just sometimes I call out, just, you know, order 12 donuts and crush 10 while watching Netflix. It's just casual, you know, before 9 a.m. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, no purpose in lying to yourself, just, exactly. just indulge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard, man. I think eating well while traveling, you can always. You can always the thing is, you just don't have to tell. You just can't tell people. Because then, A, they don't give a shit. And B, they're just going to be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Just eat what we're eating. You just have to like do it on your head. You know? yeah. yeah. With consulting and traveling, are you going to a new city almost every week? Or are you're on assignment, so you return to the same city? I return to the same city. Okay. I'm usually at a particular city for like three months. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so does that make it a little bit easier to like, if you want to find a gym? or like? Yeah, it does. I think... You'd like to pick a hotel that has a good gym. Uh, that's like a good criteria. But uh, I think what I've really done is like get all my working out done on the weekend. I mean, it's definitely not ideal. It's hard. I'm still working on how to figure that out. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll revisit that later yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think more people should do while traveling? Uh, I'll say this. If you can, try to live somewhere that's not your home country. Like, even if it's like three or four months, like, there's a big difference, as someone who's lived in many places, like, there's a big difference traveling to a place and living somewhere. I would say that the difference is that, like, if you're, if you're from the US and you visit, like, the UK, you very much view the UK, or, like, if you travel to Thailand or something, you very much view the other country. Like from your U.S. perspective, and as opposed to if you're living in a place, like a part of that country becomes part of you. Maybe you spend five months in Singapore. Maybe you have a taste for Asian food. Maybe you have a you know how to use chopsticks better. Or there's certain words you say in a certain accent that's like a part of you. You see the bad as well, and it's like the daily like routine, mundane things that you don't notice, because it's hard to not romanticize trips. But I think 
living in the place really shows you like the true the true nature of the country and sometimes you don't have to have, like people like always go on about oh you have to eat authentic food and you have to do like like I don't want to do touristy shit like maybe doing touristy shit is maybe it's touristic for a reason and like what's wrong with doing touristy shit like what, what if you just want to go and see the Times Square you know what's wrong with that yeah so I think it, it all depends on why you why you're traveling and I'd say if you want to have like take to the next level try to live in a place okay Oh, that's a good point. Like, coming back to Singapore is like a tourist now. Like, right. it's a purely a tourist. Last time I was like, we're living here just exactly. for four months. Yeah. Like, one, we have time to do any of the sightseeing stuff. But yeah, I guess you that does help you get more of a sense of like the day to day life. Exactly. And where you, when you're if you're only in a place for a week, it's like you could just do all the fluff stuff. On that country. And I feel like people also treat you differently. If you tell them you're a tourist, they're just sort of like, oh, I'm just here for a little while. But if you tell them you live here, it's just like, okay. You know, like if you tell someone like, and maybe exchange is different, but because people treat, ex- treat exchange students a little differently. But like if you're like in a group project with someone, like it's definitely like, all right, man, like I know it's all well and good, like you're traveling or something, but like let's get down to business kind of thing. Yeah. Would you ever want to work abroad? Yes. I'd like to work. Uh, I mean, I'd like to work in the UK. That's just to say I've like lived in. That would mean I've lived in four continents. So I've, I've lived in three: Asia, Africa, North America. If I hit Europe, that'll be four. I think that's not bad. Just Antarctica next. Just uh, Antarctica, <laughs> South America, South America. Yeah, uh, I would definitely live in another country. I mean. That question assumes that there's a default country that I would work in. I mean, my citizenship is the U.S., but when you say, do you, would you want to work in another country, it's sort of like, that implies that I have like a home base and all these other countries are like other options, whereas I just view all the countries as just equal, equally probable. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, would you, I guess, yeah, I guess home is like, not U.S. like technically home yeah. is not U.S. even though you have citizenship right. but yeah so would you want to work in a country outside of the U.S.? Yeah, definitely <laughs> I, would, I, would, I, I would I think uh, so many reasons just culturally I, the economic pendulum is swinging towards Asia I mean I, I just think the American market is saturated it's really hard just to you know stand out or shine because you know the smartest people in the world tend to gravitate towards there and it might be easier to take something that already works there and implement it somewhere in Asia where, you know, it's growing. Mm-hmm. I think Sri Lanka's coming up really well, so that's something I'm looking down, looking to down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they're trying to be the next Singapore in like the next 30 years, so we'll see. That would be yeah, sweet. Ride that wave. I would, I would definitely like to work somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, okay. But first New York for the time yeah, being. Yeah, for the time being, you know. Okay, tell me if this is too broad of a question too, okay. but are there any misconceptions around travel or just like um, going outside of your own country that you'd like to put to rest? I think it's easier than it sounds. Like it sounds like, oh my God, you're going to a different place, blah, blah, blah. And I think it depends on where you go. Like if it's dangerous... 
you know, if you're going to certain parts of South America, then like your life could be in danger or certain parts in East Africa, West Africa, or even South Africa, that's dangerous and that's different. But I would say, I mean, especially now, like getting on a plane and going somewhere, it's really easy. And I feel like a lot of people think like, oh, going abroad or going, traveling internationally, yeah, it's really, it's really hard. Especially if you have a U.S. passport. Like a lot of countries, you don't need visa. So I think it's a lot, it's a lot easier than you know, people think. Say another misconception about traveling. People think you have to travel a certain way, right? Because people think about how they will tell their friends about what they did. Like it's perfectly okay to just go somewhere to only party or to only like see a friend. And like people uh, have, I feel like people like feel compelled to like do all these like lists and like have lived, like visited the authentic way and like eat like with chopsticks and like, you know, if you come to the Asia and do all these things, you don't, you can just make it what you, what you want to, you know? So if I'm understanding, like you think people travel in a way just so they can like talk about it that way? Yeah. Okay. I feel like there are a lot of people who travel a certain way that's like become mainstream, like you know, like backpacking and really immersing us. Oh, I want to live in a hostel. Like, like my friend, my friend Nation is obsessed about staying in a hostel in Germany. And I'm like, maybe it's because I've done that. It's just like, dude, like staying in an Airbnb, like we'll have our own place. Like it's going to be more comfortable. And like there's nothing special about staying in a hostel. Like you, you, I feel like you just want to do it so that you want the like quintessential experience. But this, I feel like people... I, I kind of link it to like, the, like it's like, it's just like a negative perception. Um, like people have a negative perception towards like the word clubbing. Like no one wants to be known as a person who likes to go clubbing. It's like no one wants to be known as a guy who only did touristy stuff, or no one wants to know as a guy, be known as a guy who only went uh, and did. Uh, what was I going to say? I think I forgot my train, train of thought. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. I think it was something along the lines of food or like eating like the authentic stuff. Like you don't have to go and eat like chicken feet or whatever in China. Like you can like, yeah. like it's okay. Like, like the first thing I want to do when I go back to Japan is go to McDonald's and eat a teriyaki burger. <laughs> I don't know if you had a chance to do that. But I did know, not. But it's like the best thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's the best McDonald's burger I've ever had. And it's like beef patty, teriyaki sauce, and egg, lettuce. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> um, what, go to another country, go to McDonald's. Go to McDonald's yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, you can make it whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Hmm. I wonder if I've got to ask myself that then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's this whole like, oh, you're traveling, especially, it depends on where you go. If you're like going to Southeast Asia, people like have this image of like, what that is. It's like someone backpacking, like very minimalist, like you have to try like the authentic stuff. I'm like, what if we just want to go to Singapore and go to like C'est La Vie? You know? I guess yeah. that's okay too, you know? Yeah. C'est La Vie is a club on top of the Marina Bay Sands yeah. uh, building, which is the big building with the boat on top. <laughs> it used to be called Coup d'etat, which shows you how long ago our exchange was. Oh, okay, so it was Coup d'etat, <laughs> yes. and now it's C'est La Vie. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Where drinks are $22 for, <laughs> like, a small cocktail. I know. What is one of the first things that you do 
upon arriving in a new place? Other than like dropping your bags off and like... Uh, I like looking at the number plates or the license plates of cars. Really? And seeing how they're different, yeah. That's an, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I was um, not expecting that. <laughs> it's not practical at all. It's just like something I like to do. Um, if, if I assume from your question you want something that like help. No, it doesn't need to be. I'm just curious like what, what you like to do. Like, you know, you, you land in a new country. Yeah. It's, you know, some people, like myself, I just like to go walk around and like, I call it just go out and get lost. I see. Like I just go out, like put my phone away and just try to like find stuff and find my way back without using maps. Nice. Some uh, other people like go into like try to find a really like local coffee shop or like just go take a nap or something. So it's doesn't need to be valuable yeah. but just more. I mean usually I'm, I'm traveling with like I go visit a friend so I go get in touch with the friend let my friend take me where uh, where he, he or uh, she uh, sees fit you know so but I mean if I went on my own I'd probably I'd probably like look at just look at Google Maps and like get oriented on where I am and yeah, I'd probably the first thing I'd probably do is go and get some food. Yeah, go just walk around and see something I like, get some food, and probably yeah, just I don't I, I don't know about getting lost, but definitely like walk around, take it in, um, get acquainted with the area. Yeah, get acquaint, acquainted with the area, um, like get some landmarks in mind, like in case you get lost, be like oh, I remember that, I remember that. Mm, that's smart. Yeah, and take it from there. Look at license plates. Look at license plates. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it really is like those, um, like the really, like the small things that like get you. Like, of course. Like in the US, the switch to turn the light on is the other way around. Have you noticed that yet? You switch it up to turn the light on, whereas here, it's just switch it down to turn it on. Oh. Yeah. What? Is it really? Yeah. I haven't even so, noticed it. So like in the US, like, it, so like if the switch is like, it's like... It's it, facing down, it's yeah. Facing, and you flick it up. Yeah. Whereas here, you flick it down to turn it on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it really is just like the small thing, yeah. like the really small thing. And like, why does every country have to have their own plug? I've been wondering that, man. Like, why? Surely there isn't... Like, there's nothing about being in a different country that means that you have to use a square pin instead of the round. Like, clearly you can make it all round, right? Yeah, like... I don't know. I know, like, the voltage is different here. I don't know why that is, but, like... That's because... I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it, it costs more money to lower the voltage. Really? I, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think I vaguely remember learning something like, along those lines in, in my physics class about, like, the reason why it's a higher voltage is something to do with, like, it's, it, like, costs more money to lower the voltage or like there's like more power loss or there's like some kind of like formula. to regulate it like that yeah and like I think when like electricity is sent through like electric cables um, there is like it's something to do with power loss something I don't know we can, I can limit yeah. that quickly yeah. if anyone's listening and knows the answer to this <laughs> please send your response to lee.t at edgeofcomfort.com because this is now a pressing question on my mind so if you know the answer or want to do some research to look it up, please let me know. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, why, why can't there be just a universal plug? Yeah. Like, we have these universal adapters, which are terrific, but why do we need that? Like, why can't we just all agree on ones 
style. And that, I mean, that's people are different, I guess, you know. But I wonder if there's like a legitimate reason behind that, or if it's just like, oh, this is our idea, like this is how we think a plug should look. So this is it. I feel yeah. I mean, like for something like a plug, it's like, come on, man. And then, but have, like, have you seen the plugs in Australia? Yeah, it's it's just like yeah, tilted. Yeah, like tilted. Like, why why can't you just yeah. make them straight? <laughs> like, okay. Um, while you're looking that up, are there any apps, websites, or other resources that you use um, that you, whether for travel or just in your day-to-day life, that you really think are absolute must-haves, other than Reddit? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Reddit. (laughs) Well, Reddit, that could be valuable for learning about a place. Exactly. And it's just, the thing about Reddit is, is it's, it's written by someone who has no alternative motive. It's not like some guy who's running a website who has like to portray a certain image or something. It's just like some dude or some girl is writing about the experience. Yeah. And of course, like the, pers- the, the type of person who goes on Reddit is a particular type of person that might influence the, the answer, but I would definitely just do a Reddit search of like things to do in X country or X city and see what they say. I would just get a quick currency converter which one do you use? Do you uh, have a specific one that you like? I used to have one, but I don't know if it's still the same. But I think just any is fine. Okay. Uh, any currency converter, just you know, you you you, you might know, think you know the exchange rate, but like in that quick moment, like oh, it's only thirty dollars, and you realize like oh shit, it's pounds, not dollars, uh, and you just like spend a lot more than you thought. It's, it was actually a lot cheaper than you thought. You just quickly pop it in and. You can get uh, like what it is, whatever your home currency is. That's actually one of the first things I do is I go and like I get some cash because the people in the US love cards. We're like outside the US, not as much, so I get some cash, convert it to the local currency. Mm-hmm. Um, any other apps I use? Um, I don't know. What do you use? Well, there's a few. I mean, in terms of like, there's a few resources I have for flights, okay, which are really good. I mean, I like kayak. Kayak, yeah. I recommend going on kayak in incognito mode. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Explain why you need to do incognito mode. Yeah, incognito mode. Because people, you know, if you do it, don't do it on incognito mode. They like they can track your history. I mean, it's all about cookies, and I think it just saves your. It's saved in the cache memory, so they know you're looking for flights. Uh, so it's like sort of targeted towards you, and I think I don't know if they can like raise the price or not, but you just you want to look at the flights as if they don't know who you are. And that's why incognito mode is really good. And I don't know if there's actually a difference. I haven't actually tested out going on normal window and going on incognito mode in Google and seeing if there's a difference in price or not. But it's just a good way to be like, what is like the completely unbiased uh, flights that are like suggested to me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's a good like base point. Like, exactly. okay, this is yeah. general price. Yeah. And I've heard that Tuesdays and Wednesdays are a good time to do it. Yeah, so that's historically that's what I've heard too. But I saw an article headline. So this is such a like on. Is it that like everyone now does it on Tuesday and Wednesday? So it's actually more. Yeah, so now it's like now now I saw a headline that was like Saturdays and Sundays are best for booking flights. But I didn't actually click on the article, so I don't know the truth behind that. I see. So don't take this literally. If you know, this is a very unqualified. Opinion right now, but but yeah, it's like so everyone's like, oh, Tuesday, Wednesday, book a flight. So maybe now it's different. Maybe not. <laughs> um, okay. Book them early. Yeah, the longer you wait, 
that's that's my issue is yeah. I like I like to do things last minute yeah, that's right. and in traveling usually that means I pay more right so I'm trying to like learn how to like okay plan maybe a little bit farther out ahead that's true Do you have any strategies for diverting unwanted attention while traveling? Yeah, you, you can't engage with people. I mean, just I lived in Kenya, and I don't know if this is, you might think this is like just being an asshole or not nice, but if a beggar comes to you or if a, if a guy on the street is trying to sell you something, don't say no thank you. Or like, I'm running, just like, don't say anything. If you if you don't engage with him, he can't hold. He can't. He doesn't have a grab onto you. You know. There have been multiple times when we were in New York. I'm just standing in the street, like waiting to go somewhere. And this is guy next next to me, like trying to talk to me. And I'm just like not. I'm just ignoring him completely. And I think it's. I maybe I'm more used to doing it, but like if you go traveling in Thailand and people are trying to haggle you on the street. Just, I would say don't engage with them. The minute you engage with them, you're hooked. Like they've got you. Even if you say no, or even if you make eye contact with them, it's just like, that's it. That's it. Like you're not going to work yourself out of that, you know? So don't give them anything to work right. with. Because <laughs> once you engage, it takes a lot of effort for you to be like, or it takes a lot of, you have to be a certain kind of person to be like, no, and just leave, right? Whereas if you just don't engage with them, it's fine. Headphones are a good move. People now think you can now that you bring this up, I noticed that's how you were last night when all the club promoters <laughs> came up to us. Hey, could you club? You just you didn't say anything, yeah. and I, I'd say no, thank you. Yeah. You just, just look straight ahead and keep walking. Exactly. It's just like you know what? Like I don't even hear you. Yeah. Kind of got to be an asshole then. Right. And when you have headphones and someone's trying to haggle you, at the back of my mind, they, they might think, yeah, maybe he doesn't hear me. But if you don't have your headphones, they're like, all right, clearly this guy's here, he can hear me, so they might like, be a little bit more aggressive, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a good point for, like, I don't know if, I've never been to Europe, so I don't know if there's a lot of, like, yeah. street vendors, but, like, in Bali, if you were on the beach and the ladies come up to you trying to sell you, like, bracelets and, like, someone tried to sell us bow and arrow on the <laughs> beach in Bali. <laughs> Literally a full-out bow and arrow. I was like, and I had, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, because everyone's coming by, like, oh, here's little pins or right, triggers. Right, right. Then the dude just comes with a bow and arrow. Right. Like, what? <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look different, you're like, if you look like you're not from there, you'll attract attention. But True. just don't engage. You know, some people are trying to be nice, be like, oh, no, thank you. I'm really just that. It might work in the US or in another place, but just ignore them, you know? And no hard feelings. It's not because you don't like them or you don't want to talk to them. You just, you just don't want to deal with it. You know? yeah. So is there anything you've learned through traveling or through just your constant, not constant, but your many moves in your life that you aren't sure you would have learned otherwise? Or maybe not till much later in your life. Yeah, I think it's definitely made me. I mean, it might sound cliche, but you know, we're we're all, we're all kind of the same. You know, we all kind of want similar things, and I think, especially growing up in different places of different ethnicities and different cultures, 
it has made me view cultures as just another culture instead of oh this is my culture and that's yours I mean yeah like ethnically I'm Sri Lankan but like I grew up in Kenya and I'm in the US it's like I don't view it as it's us and then everyone else I very much view it as it's just all like a different option it's just ch- it's just chance that I was I was born into this world as a Sri Lankan male I could very easily be like a Swedish female or like a Pakistani person or a Malaysian person you know and I would say that you know yeah we were all really similar and you, if you want to I feel like you can you can fit in in many places you can fit in anywhere it's it's uh, it might be harder as you grow older and you might prefer certain places but at the end of the day you can it's all about just adapting I think getting the ability to adapt, seeing what people value, um, and once you understand that, you know you can you can you can fit in many places. Yeah. And the other interesting thing is, yeah, people are so similar, but even so, given that they're so similar, they're still different. It's how can someone be so similar yet so different? Yeah. Okay, final question. Final question. Before we get into it, thank you again for, well, first off, I'm glad we met back up in yeah, Singapore. That's a pretty random chance. <laughs> like, both lived in the U.S., didn't see each other in Austin or New York, but, oh, back in Singapore, same time. Back in Utah. Yeah, yeah, not, not only back in Singapore, back in the university where we stayed, which makes it even stranger feeling. It does. It's even more strange. And just staying at the, eating at the same canteens and... Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So thank you. Glad we were able to do this. Yeah, thanks, Doug, man. Thanks um, for all right. So I've asked this to every guest I've had on so far. Okay. Take your time to think about it if you need to. Okay. But how would you sum up all of your travels into a sentence or two? I mean, it's. I would just say it's. Uh, it's been a blessing. I wouldn't change for anything. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I really think that I've had the best life, and that might sound really arrogant and really pretentious. Um, but I've talked, I have a lot of friends, and I think back and look at what they've done, and I look at my life, and I'm like, I've had the best life, man. Like, how this isn't what people do. People don't like live in three countries and still have the luxury to come to the U.S. and I remember, and my friend Jackson telling me, dude, sometimes I forget you're not from here. It's like I've had all these experiences traveling the world and I can fit in so well into the U.S. that my final year of college, I lived with four Americans, four Caucasian males, and like we have a Facebook group called Four White Guys and an African. And people very much treat me like I grew up in the U.S. my whole life, but I didn't. I grew up in lots of places, so it's not that I, I'm international and I come to the U.S. I'm all of a sudden a foreigner. It's like I am an American who just happens to have all these other experiences. So that's what I'm talking about. I guess fitting in is that you know, even though I had all these experiences and everything, I can go to a place and it's as if I'm from there, you know. And I, I mean, I, I want my I, one day if I have kids, I would love for my kids to have the same experience. I mean, they have to live in more than one country when they're young in the high school days or schooling days. I don't know if my wife would uh, agree with that or not. That's like way, way, way in the future. But 
I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. All right. Terrific. Thanks so much. Yeah. Too. And I usually ask where uh, people can find the guests online, but I know you don't have Instagram or I don't, Twitter. I, I don't have Instagram. <laughs> I have a Facebook. What's your Facebook? Uh, my Facebook is uh, Sahan Willie Ritter. How do you spell your last name? Uh, so first name is Sahan, S-A-H-A-N. Uh, last name is uh, Willy Witta, uh, W-E-L-I-W-I-T-A. Willy Witta? Yeah, Willy. it's actually a village in Sri Lanka. It's where my dad grew up. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, if you, if, you, if you want to connect, just send me a message on Facebook saying, hey, I heard you on talking on uh, Edge of Comfort. And I'll be like, I'll have to connect. If you have any questions about any of the places I've been to or anything, feel free. I'm happy to help. All right. Well, thank you again. Yeah, no thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time. Cheers.